Um, before we dismiss Children's Church and Nursery, I just want to tell you, I've already sung it. That's that last song, obviously, as you probably can tell, was unrehearsed, completely unrehearsed, and not been sung in 20 years at our church, How, and we are going to dismiss it. However, I just want to declare something over everybody before you leave. Uh, as of today, you are going to walk into a season of beauty for ashes. As of today, you're going to walk into a season of joy for mourning. As of today, you're going to walk into a season of wearing garments of praise and taking off the spirit of heaviness. As of today, the Lord says, I'm going to, I'm going to take the mourning that you've been going through and the crying that you've been going through, and I'm going to crown you with glory, and I'm going to crown you with goodness, and I'm going to crown you in this day. If you believe God that he's going to take good God Almighty, that he's going to give you beauty for ashes, if you believe for that this morning, I want you to stand on your feet and, and say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it right now. I, just because of his goodness, just because he chose to do it, he's going to give you glory in a place where there was pain. He's good God Almighty. It'd be real easy to prophesy this morning, but I'm telling you, if there's a God and if you've ever trusted a word I say, you are walking into a season of beauty for ashes. You are walking into a season of joy instead of mourning, of health instead of sickness, my God, of, of wealth instead of poverty. This is your season. This is your day. This is your opportunity, and it's because of his goodness. Come on, bless his name this morning. You don't get to make this stuff up, but when he speaks it, it's my simple job and my honor to declare it. And I'm telling you, this is your season. This is your day. This is your moment. The Lord has awaited, and you've awaited, but now we've come together. This is called the ethereal realm. This is where the, the eternity, eternity, as they say, invades time, where the things that are reality in the spirit realm manifest in the earth realm, where the eternal things manifest in the temporal. I'm thanking God this morning that we say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in this earth just like it is in heaven. And in heaven there is no sickness. So in the earth I don't want to deal with sickness. And in heaven there is no disease. So in earth I don't want disease. And in heaven there is no poverty. So in earth I don't want poverty. My God in heaven there is no lack, so in earth I will see no lack. In heaven there is no brokenness, so in earth I will see no brokenness. Jesus said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Nobody disputes that in heaven all things are done. And no one disputes that in heaven everyone is healthy and wealthy and wise. The problem is we put everything that God wants for us off until some glad morning. But Jesus said, you don't have to go make heaven your home. Behold the kingdom of heaven. It's at hand. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus didn't come to take you away to heaven. Jesus came to bring heaven to you. At some point, we've got to wake up as a New Testament church and stop living beneath our means and say we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, of the God that held stars in his hands and flung them into space, that breathed down in a bag of dust and breathed life into the nostrils of Adam. In fact, that is exactly the same word, dust and ash, that he says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. Some of you have been nothing but a bag of dust, and you've been laying around, and you've not felt the breath of God in a long time. But he, he says, I'll give you beauty 
In other words, I'm going to give you breath in that bag of dust. I'm going to breathe on some dry bones. Good God Almighty. Oh, my God. I'm here today on mandate. I'm not here because it's Sunday at 1040. I'm here because the Lord says, go tell my people today's their day. Beauty for ashes. I don't care if you've waited for a week, a month, a year, 10 years, six years. Doesn't matter to me. Today is your day. And it's simply this way. Jesus said this to, he looked at a crowd when he said, the kingdom of heaven is what? If it's at hand, it's simply yours to grab. It's simply yours to grab. In fact, the kingdom at hand appeared in a few chapters down, and he walked up on a lame man and said, with a withered hand, and said, wilt thou be made whole? What? It, what it, that's almost a, it's almost a slap in the man's face. Of course the man wanted to be made whole. Wilt thou be made whole? What he said was, will you use what you've got and reach up for what I've got? Because if you'll use what you got left and reach for what I've got, when there's a connection made, withered hands become whole and sickness becomes health. Wilt thou be made whole? When you want it more than you want anything else, when you, when you want him more than your own necessary breath, wilt thou be made whole? He said, I will. And the moment he said, I will, his will touched God's will, and the will of heaven was that hand wasn't withered no more. Amen. 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 So today's your day. It's there, for, it's there for the grabbing. It's there for the taking. Well, I don't know how to do it. Do you know how to do this? Did you know that in the earth everything is activated with your mouth? So you say, Lord, I receive it. Lord, I receive it. I re you don't have to know theologically. Remember they came to a man that Jesus had healed him. He was blind. And Jesus healed the blind man. And they, wanted to, and they wanted the blind man to get in trouble. And they wanted to trap Jesus. And they came to the blind man and said, give us some theology. Well, what do you mean? He said, is the one that healed you the Messiah? He said, look, man, I don't know much about him. I can't tell you whether he's the Christ or not, and I don't know whether or not he's the Messiah. I can't go exegetically and break down everything in the Old Testament about Jesus, but I do know one thing. Before he came, I was blind, and after he came, I can see. You don't have to know how to figure it all out, and you don't have to break it down. Just say, Lord, I will, and the blind will see. It is that simple. The problem is we try to work something up as if the Spirit of God has to be worked up. No, he's here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, not where the Spirit is conjured up, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty from sin, sickness, and death. We preach salvation from hell. Well, there are a whole lot of people live in hell every day right in this realm. Not just some flaming, tormenting furnace in the afterlife. I'm talking about people living in hell right now today that hadn't talked to their husband, that hadn't been able to breathe without pain in years, that hadn't been able to walk without pain in their back. I'm talking about some people going through hell now that want to experience heaven. Well, here it is. Here, it's here. He's here. It is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is, I'm going to say it till you believe it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom, the rule, the realm, the reign, and the royalty. That's what kingdom means. Look it up in your Greek lexicon. The, ro the royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign of God is here. The royalty of God, I declare it for my life. The reign of God, I declare it for my life. The realm of God, I declare it over my household. My God, anybody else? Yeah. Amen. 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 Beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. Breathe that in this morning. 
You did not, half of you didn't even come expecting anything except just to have a good service, and you're going to get that too. Thank God. But God came expecting anyways. He was so pregnant that he's just going to let you share in the, in the blessing whether you came expecting or not. But somebody, when I started, when I said beauty for ashes, a couple of you jumped up and said, oh, my God, that's me. I've been needing this for a long time, and I can promise you, you will leave here changed. You are going to leave with a, with a crown of glory on your head in place of those. Don't you put no lint and ash on your forehead. Wear a crown of glory and let them know I'm a child of the king. Child of the King. Amen. Amen. Children's Church and Nursery, you can go back to the back. If you're visiting, we have Children's Church for kindergarten through fifth grade through that door. We have nursery for very young. She said, stop saying newborns. <laughs> so for very young to pre-K through that door. And if you need to tend to a child, uh, you can go through that hallway, first door on the left, and we have a live video of the service in there for you to enjoy. Or endure, depending on your perspective. There's some of you that are, uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. I finally got that. I had been sick. The Lord's going to reward you greatly. I know that's not what you did, what you did for, but I just wanted to be clear. You need to go ahead and write it down because God is going to reward you greatly for that. Uh, before I go on, I'm going to take one second. And I'm going to ask you, you don't have to, do not feel obligated, but there have been many of you, and when I say many, I don't mean two or three, that have, that have messaged me or called me or texted me and said, my God, the blessing of God has been flowing in my, in my life and my family, and I believe it's as a result of what he's doing. If there's any of you that would like to briefly share about that right now, you, you don't have to. Don't feel obligated, but if you'd like to, this is your space to do that now. You want to say something? Come up, to, come up use the mic, Gina, please. Well, we know that, but we want it for the recording's sake. Amen. We agree with you, right? There. No. All right, so I don't know if you guys remember, but last week they did an auction for the youth ministry here, and we did some auctions, and I had an opportunity to bless the church, and I matched what they did, whatever they raised for the auction. And then this week, I got blessed from my boss man with a new vehicle, a Ford Explorer Ex Ex Limited. So you guys know that. So. That's a big deal. This lady watched us dance around and sing. We were babies. Hey, sweetheart. Oh, how are you? Wow, that's a pretty good deal there. Oh, Sow a seed, get a car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just over here because of the in front of the speakers must be back. And you're short. You better come up to the front. So they can see. Vertically challenged. You just heard you were first. Right. Um, we had prayer for a very close friend of mine's friend, Dad, Cherry, last week. Um, he got rushed to the hospital. He's a heart transplant a recipient in 2010, had a brain aneurysm in 2014. Saturday night got rushed to Baptist. Um, all signs said stroke. Um, things were really, really bad. Two uh, blood transfusions throughout the night. Uh, Monday, we got word after all the tests said and done, there was no stroke. There was no sign of strokes. No, 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 I wasn't pointing. Well, that sounds like God's doing some stuff. Anybody else? See what happens. Um, 
We learned years ago from a mentor of mine when you sanctify the Lord properly, which is to give him glory for the things he's done in the midst of the people and don't keep it to yourself, it does two things. One, it honors God. Two, it builds faith in everybody else. You want to say something? Okay. I like that beanie. Let me get that. Can I get it? Mind me off and yeah, I'll let you have it. Okay. <laughs> um, I pray to the Lord that um, I would be able to walk better. I get my toes removed the first of January, and this week, at, remarkably, I um, was able to walk without pain. Wow! The first time, first time. That's awesome. So let's take a walk, Mimi. Let's mean you take a walk. How's that feel? Feels good. Feels good. Yep. It's gonna even feel better. Yep. Because here's what Jesus does when he heals. He don't just heal. If he stopped there, that wouldn't be right. He restores. And God, I, I declare restoration over my friend right now. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. You got a big old smile on your face. That smile's contagious. <laughs> Isn't it? Look at this smile. This smile's contagious. Don't forget to give me that beanie after church. I'm just messing with you. I don't want that beanie. God is doing good things. Sure, Absolutely. For those who might not know me, um, I'm really tight with my funds. Just ask my mother. <laughs> and so whenever I did the auction, I had brought a couple hundred dollars in here with me, and I was going to do that. And then y'all got down to the last thing, so all it was was a pack of cookies, so that's when I bid the hundred dollars. But after I left here, that's when um, God was dealing with me about matching. And I kept telling myself, nope, I'm not going to match. I'm not going to match because I want to keep my money because I got this I want to do and that I want to do. And I think I was operating out of fear. Yeah. And finally, when I let that fear go, I feel that's when God actually <laughs> blessed me with the new vehicle. So I just wanted to share that. Love that. So. Love that. Yeah. I like that. Say no to fear. Say yes to faith. Clarice taught us years ago when she was, she was talking about Peter, and she said the water doesn't get hard until you step out of the boat. If the water was hard before you stepped out, that's easy to do. Well, I can do that. But the water doesn't get hard until you step out of the boat. Way before you stand in front of five or 10 or 15,000 people and, and there's a blind man in front of you and you've already told him Jesus could heal him and he says, I want you to be the one to pray. Scare you to, scare you to your bones. That scared the soul out of me. <laughs> As a 20-year-old, I shared this often because, and especially when the Spirit, I stood on this side of a stage filming and I had got up to sing. I was barely 20 and I did not want to go to India uh, with a guy that was in his 60s, uh, except my brother said we're going to go, and then he wound up not going, uh, Tony. But he always got me into stuff. You know what he did when, we were f when I was five? Let's go get our hair cut, and let's get a buzz. Now, when you got ears like this, you don't do buzz. You don't do them. It, you don't do that. But I did it because my brother was going to do it, and I got my buzz, and he laughed at me and just got his hair cut real nice. <laughs> I wanted to kick him. I wanted to kick him. My God, anybody else got a brother like that? You keep your head down. Jeremy, Jeremy, Rebecca, Jeremy, he was always getting me into stuff. Tony's the one that got my head stuck in the building I told you about a few weeks ago. This big old melon. You don't put big old melon heads in a little tiny hole either. I learned a whole lot of stuff. I got a lot of wisdom through the years I can share with you. 
And I stood, uh, but Tony said, we're going to Indy. I went and got my passport. He didn't. I wound up going. He didn't. And, uh, and anyways, I'm singing, and I got up, and I said, you know, I've got a God that, that if, if you're blind, he'll heal your eyes. And, if, and it's true, but I just said it because I'd always heard it. And if you're deaf, he'll heal your ears. And the whole, you know, the whole, the whole nine. And there were, I don't remember, maybe five, six, seven, eight thousand people. There were a lot of people there. It may not have been that many. It may have been four or five thousand. But when you do open-air meetings, especially in India in the late 90s, there's nothing else to go home to. In fact, most of those people don't have a home to go to. So if there's something going on, just as a matter of curiosity, they show up. So I said that, and then I sang the song that I wanted to sing. I didn't know what the song was. And uh, I was there to do videography. And, and uh, in fact, I was given a, a, a $5,000 video camera, uh, not given to me, but put in my lap by the guy I went with with a 250-page manual on a 17-hour plane ride. And he said, there you go. Learn it before we get there. <laughs> That's the kind of mentors I had. And I okay. You know, so I did. And so I'm videoing, and I'm taking some pictures that night, and I get a little tug on my shirt this side of the stage and I turned around and it was an interpreter and he said this guy wants you to pray for him now there was a prayer line with seasoned anointed gospel people in the front I'm a camera guy over there just a camera guy and he says we want you to pray for him I said well prayer line's over there yeah but you said before you sang that you have a God that will heal People, if they're blind, right? I said, yeah, I said that. Well, then he said, well, this guy's been blind, and he was, I think, 34 years old, 34 years blind, and he wants you to pray for him. Man, I did my best to get out of it, and finally when I realized the guy was not going to relent, put the camera down. He stood in front of me, and his eyes, you've heard, some of you heard, his, his pupils were distorted, and they were pussy, and uh, maybe not pussy, but yellow and jaundiced, or whatever you want to call it, just, it, it was not something I wanted to deal with, and I just absolutely, I'm a pastor's kid, I've seen the miraculous, uh, but not like this, maybe, but I believe in it, until, until they looked at me and said, now you got to make sure it happens, <laughs> so I hugged the man, and I began to cry, and I, well, here's what I did, I apologized to God, I said, Lord, I'm sorry for saying that, but if you don't heal him, He's going to assume that you're just like all the other gods in India. Because in India, there's a God for everything. Honest to goodness, if you need a, a good bowel movement, they just created God for it and worship it. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, when it comes, I guess you, you thank the God for it. it. It's insane. Tens of thousands of gods. If you don't do this, he's going to consider you another dead God. And I wept. And then I stood back from the man. And then the man looked at me. And his eyes weren't distorted anymore. And it scared him and scared me worse looked right at me, and I went, oh, God, what's happening? You know, God healed his eyes just like that. I didn't, I didn't know a phrase to say. There was not a magic word I could say. There was no oil used, although I believe in that. And I wasn't laying on hands in faith. I was simply saying, Lord, it is your word and your integrity that's at stake. Let me tell you something. When you hear something like some of you haven't met me before and you don't know me, and you probably have a sense of mistrust because of preachers in the past that have maybe said or promised things, I don't have a problem with that because when I say something, I can tell you it is not my word that's at stake. It's his. And if he says it, he's as good as doing it. And I've, I've watched him do it again and again and again and again. So there's somebody here this morning that say, man, I sure, it sounds good and it, and it feels good to hear. And there's, it's full of energy when he says it, but man, it's hard to believe. That's okay. Just say, do what Mary did. Remember when the angel came to Mary? Said, you're going you're to be the one to carry the Messiah. Wait a minute, the Messiah that all of my ancestors have believed for for thousands of years? Yep, you're the one. Here's what she said. Be it done unto me according to your word. 
She didn't know how this was going to happen. In fact, she said, how can this happen? I don't even know a man. I've never known a man. And some of you, when you, when you hear something so grand, it's like, I don't know how that could happen. Well, that's okay. It's not about, it's, God does not care so much about your ability as he does your availability. Amen. So, anybody else want to say something before I read my scripture? All week, the theme in my heart has been beauty for ashes, and I came over a few times this week, and I came back last night and just worshiped back there and walked through the halls of the church just praying uh, and uh, worshiping the Lord and releasing his presence in the place. His presence was already here, but I carry his presence with me, as do you, if you're sons and daughters, and I released it, and I walked through the halls of the church and released it and laid back there in the office a little while, and then I went home, thought I was going to bed, went to bed, and then wound up getting up. And uh, the Lord said, go look, at, go look after your children. So I went and watched them sleep. And I thought, my God, there was not anything I wouldn't do for these babies right now. That's what I thought. And the Lord said, well, what do you think I think about you when you're sleeping, when you're resting? He sings over us. He sings over you when you sleep. He sings over you when you rest. In fact, that's scriptural. But I wanted to read, this is from... Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to have to skip some context, but I want to put it in, in context. Um, Isaiah 61 from the New Living Translation, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that, that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, or really to all who mourn in Zion, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. You may not know that I'm prophesying right now, but if you have a prophetic uh, understanding, you know that I am. Repairing cities destroyed long ago, they will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called the priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. My God, a double. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in the land, and everlasting joy will be yours. One of my father's last messages he preached was called the double. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people that the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy, uh, with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Beauty for ashes. 
I walked down my hall this week and thought beauty for ashes. I was sick for the be a better part of the week. I'm not sick today. I'm just a little hoarse because I haven't sung in a few weeks and I had to sing this morning. Uh, but I'm not sick. Uh, but even at my home, all I kept hearing again and again and again is probably because the Lord knows that I carry a prophetic gift, but he also knows I'm hard-headed. I'm one of those you say it 15 or 20 times before. Sometimes it really connects. And all I've heard him say for me again and again, and as I thought about many of you in this church and some of the situations that I know about and some that I only know by the Spirit, the words over your head that I heard multiple times, beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. And Isaiah 61 is the prophet Isaiah sees into the future what the Messiah was going to bring first for the children of Israel, but indeed for all of mankind. Jesus himself, the object of this prophetic vision, is going to stand up and read from this very scripture. Now, now I'll give you a little bit of context. Let's move forward to the New Testament. Jesus has lived in relative obscurity for 30 years. I say relative because there was the time, obviously, that angels and the heavenly host celebrated his coming and his birth. There was a time that wise men came and found the young toddler Jesus who was probably between two and five years old and brought many gifts, brought many gifts. There were not three wise men, there were many wise men, but we assume there were three wise men because there were three specific gifts mentioned. But there were not three wise men, there were many wise men that brought many gifts. In fact, some historians say 600 camels full of provision that would provide for Jesus for his life got up and came to provide for him at the moment of his birth. And yet, until he's 12, we don't hear anything about the life of Jesus. And if you do, it's, from, it's, it's extra biblical, and you should probably just consider it fiction. It's good fiction, but that's all that it is. Jesus didn't go about healing birds and stuff when he was a little boy, at least not according to the Bible. That's not in the, it's not in the canon of Scripture. And so... For 30 years, he lives in relative obscurity. Now, there was a time when he was 12, you remember this, and his parents take him into the temple, and the Bible says that he's found uh, there talking with what they called wise men, except they're quiet and he's listening. That's probably what, why they're called wise men, because they were quiet and he, and he was speaking. I, I meant to say speaking. Mary and Joseph leave Jerusalem, and they're three days gone. And look around and say, man, you know what? There's something missing on this caravan. What is it? Jesus? Did you know that? Went missing, lost him. Took him three days to find the guy. This is Jesus. Do you not remember Gabriel talked about him? Mary, you might have wanted to keep an eye on this one. Of all of them, I know with my children, I know from the time they were born, if I had to look out for any kids that are going to go missing or been into mischief, if my six kids go, I need to have my eye on Isaac and Jason. That doesn't mean they're bad kids. That means they're probably a lot more like me maybe than some of the others, especially when it comes to being mischievous. I know I better keep an eye on Isaac and on Je Mary probably should have keep, kept an, an eye on Jesus, but she didn't. He's lost. But thank God they recovered him. All is well. And he comes back and she says, what are you doing? He said, what do you mean what am I doing? Did, did you not know? Actually, he's, did, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? And yet from 12... Until 30, we don't hear anything about the life of Jesus. We simply know that he was, a, he was a Jewish man, a carpenter. Some historians say the carpenter may not have been woodworking. He may have been a stonemason, which was also considered a carpenter in Jesus' time. We don't know. But we do know this. When he was about 30 years old, which in the Bible is typ typifies full maturity, it's three tens. We know that, we know that a, a boy, a Hebrew boy would grow up with his father and work with his father under his father's care until he was 30 years old. And at 30 years old, his father uh, would release him into his full manhood. 
You know, he would be bar mitzvahed at 12, but at 30, he would be a full man. David would get three crowns, not one when he was 30. Joseph would come out of the pit when he was 30 years old. There's a, there's a whole lot of symbolism there with 30. But Jesus, at 30 years old, is walking the banks of the Jordan. And John the Baptist looks up and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He announces him in front of everybody. And Jesus walks down and he goes into the, into the river Jordan. Jordan means descending or death. The, the river of life walked into the river of death to be baptized. And John says, and, and he gets up and John says, why are you coming to be baptized of me? It's I that needs to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, suffer to be so now, John, or allow this to happen because we must fulfill all righteousness because before a lamb is going to go to a cross, it's first going to have to go to a bath. But anyways, so, he, so he, 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 he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes straightway up out of the water, and here's what happens. You, heard the, you know the scripture. The Bible says, and I, John, saw the heavens open, and the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus like a dove. He's not a dove, but like a dove, and he lighted upon him, and I heard a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. This is where the Father is going to identify, this is my full-grown son. This is my fully mature son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. We know this, this is all scripture, this is wonderful. Uh, just as an aside, you've heard me say it before, but the thing that's going to happen immediately after Jesus is baptized and this glorious voice comes from heaven is he's driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And what is the devil going to tempt him about? The very thing that Father had already talked about because the enemy is going to say to him three times, if thou be the Son of God. Cast yourself off, if thou be the Son of God, command this stones be made bread. If thou be the Son of God, Father, remember, if thou be. What did the Father say back in Jordan before he ever got to the wilderness? This is my beloved Son. The, uh, the, the crisis that everybody faces today is the same crisis that Jesus faced 2,000 years ago, and it's a crisis of identity. The enemy, the enemy wants to challenge who you really are. It's the same crisis that Eve was, was met with in the Garden of, of Eden when, when, the, when the serpent said, hath God said that in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil that you would die? But God knows you will surely not die for he knows that in the day you eat of that garden, you'll be like God. What he said was, you have to do something to be like God. The truth of it was, she was created in his image and after his likeness. The lie was you have to do something to be like God. The truth is you were born like God. Anyways, I'm trying to get through this. I know it's a lot, and I know it's getting late. If Tammy was here, she would have just right then rebuked me for talking about time. It's in my head now. I'll always think about it. So this is the context. Jesus is, so he goes for 40 days and 40 nights with no food to be tempted by the devil, to, to essentially, he was already affirmed by his father. Now he's being confirmed by the spirit and was ministered to by angels in the wilderness. Don't think that just because you're being tempted in the wilderness that you just have to rely on what father already said. That's a great thing to do, but there will be angels that come along the way and minister to you. And he comes out of Jordan, and one of the first things he does is he goes into a synagogue, and he picks up the book, and he's going to read exactly what I just wrote you. Don't you think that it's, that it's telling that the first scripture 
that we ever read that Jesus is going to read, having come out of the Jordan River, having been tempted by the devil, having returned, as the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit, one of the very first things that Jesus does, he marches right into the synagogue, he opens the scroll, and he's going to read this. It's, it, you can find it uh, in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And, and I don't want to read all of that. But the enemy tempts him, he tempts him, he tempts him. And, and finally, Jesus returns to Galilee. This is verse 14, Luke 4, 14. Jesus returns from that tempting, from that wilderness experience, from being confirmed by Father, and, or being affirmed by Father, being confirmed by the Spirit. And he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news began to spread about him through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up Back to where it started. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found, which means he went looking for something. He found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, it was not uncommon. In fact, it happened every Sabbath that a man from the, uh, of stature, a nobleman from, from, from the city, a Jew, would come into the synagogue and he would be able to uh, uh, open the scrolls as an honor and read from the scrolls. It happened all the time. This was not a new happening, but it was the first time Jesus was going to do it. And he's not just going to read a scroll. He's actually going to read himself into Scripture. That's why when I tell you this morning that Beauty for Ashes is not, is not just a historical context, it is okay, and not just okay, it is, it's, it's, a good, it's a good practice to read yourself into Scripture. A lot of people say you shouldn't read yourself into Scripture. Well, they're just cold, dead, uh, twice dead and plucked up by the roots and don't have anything to say anyways. I wouldn't listen to people like that. Pray for them and move on. I just said that before I, even, before I just came out. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, literally smeared oil on my head to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He literally goes to this very scripture. And then he closes the book, he gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down. And all of the eyes of everyone in the synagogue, or as Mike would say, synagogu, were on him. And he began to say to them, today, the same thing I'm going to say to you. I'm going to take a chance, except it's not a chance. So you better hear me. Today, today, in your hearing, the scripture is fulfilled. <gasps> what? That's what he says. Today the scripture is fulfilled in your very hearing, hearing in your ears. And all, the, and all of those went speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And then they started to say, wait a minute, is this not Joseph's son? Just pause for a minute, we're going to go because just in a second they're going to try to throw him off a cliff. Church people are fickle, man. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, honestly, not you, normal church people. Y'all are, are great. But normal church people are fickle. One minute they're talking about, man, I love this guy. God sent him into my life, and God, God sent this family, sent me to that church. Man, been, and the next thing you know, about my God, I wouldn't go to that church. I, well, you couldn't pay me to go to that little. They'll throw you off a cliff. That's what happens. 
they started saying, wait a minute, is this Joseph's son? Did he just say what we think he just said? It was wonderful the words he said until he said, what I'm saying is what you've read and what I just read is happening today. It's what I started this service with. By the Spirit of God, he's the instructor, he's the director, I just am a part of the symphony. Is it not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt you're going to quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Now listen, I want to make a point here, we're going to skip through this. But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel... In the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three days or three years and six months, when a great famine came over the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Here's what he's telling them. Now he's sitting at, talking to church people that, uh, that believe that because they are born Hebraic, because they're born Hebrews, they have a right to what he just said. As a result of being a Hebrew, instead of as a result of hearing the glorious gospel. Now, he just said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the blind eyes, you know, the, the thing that he goes through. And they're like, oh, man, this is great. This is wonderful. And then he says this, surely you're going to say to me, it's just about you, essentially is what he's saying. And he says, but remember back when, when Elisha, he was only sent to a woman that wasn't even a Jew. What he's literally doing is he is, he is erasing the circle that is around the Jewish people only. And he's drawing a bigger circle. And including everybody. And it really makes them mad. Boy, they don't like this at all. What do you mean? We're Hebrews. We're the children of Abraham. We're, we're great-grandchildren of Isaac and of Jacob. I mean, it's, we're God's chosen. We're God's favorite. We're the only ones. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. He's literally erasing the circle. It, it happens in church today. We think because we're, because we're church people that God favors us above people that we call the others. And the truth of it is until we by the prophetic spirit of God dissolve the line, the, the line that exists between us and them, we'll never reach them. There can no longer be an us or them. We've got to erase the line. It's just us. And it doesn't matter if you stand on this podium or if you go down to 5th Street to live or if you go to 6th Street or if you go to Hickory Highway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you sell alcohol for a living or if you preach for a living. The, the, the line that separates has got to be removed. And, in, and until and unless it's removed, church people are going to be offended. Because they think because I go to church, because I show up and, you know, I, I show up and I pay my tithe and I do the right stuff. That's the same thing the church people of Jesus' age. They thought they were entitled to what he was talking about simply by virtue of the fact that they were born Hebrews. And Jesus is saying, it has nothing to do with how you were born. It has to do with the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and I'm bringing it to all of you. I'm going to establish a new covenant. Go back and read Isaiah. I will establish a new covenant, and the new covenant will be with the new covenant people. Not people that do or don't go to church with people. And they, got, they were blood-faced mad at him for saying that. Well, what do you mean he'll include those two? You mean he's going he's gonna to bless that one that's only been going to church for two weeks, just like the one that's been tithed for 27 years? Well, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. 
Remember the parable when Jesus said there was a Lord of a vineyard and he invited somebody to come work in his vineyard and said, I'll give you, you know, $10 to work all day. Man, yeah, I'll do that. That's good money. All right. And at the end of the day, about the 11th hour, only about an hour worth of work left. There was still a whole lot of work to be done. So others came into the vineyard. He said, tell you what, I'll give you $10 if you'll finish out the day. Yeah, I'll do that. And about the time he's going to pass out reward, he gives the same measure to everyone, those that had been going to church for, I mean, I'm sorry, those that had been there for years and those that had been there for hours and minutes because they were equal. Why were they equal? Because they did not, because it was his to give. And what did those that had been working all day say? What, you tell me those stinking ones that came up in here and ain't been here but a couple of weeks are going to get the same reward as those of us that have served faithfully and tithed and dogged us? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because what this kingdom is about is not something you can earn. You cannot earn what is being given freely. Did you know there's no such way for you to earn an inheritance, but you can receive it. Or you can walk away from it. Remember my message, the prodigal father? Prodigal just means an extravagant spender. The, the prodigal son is really a misnomer. Yeah, he went extravagant, but the father was the extravagant spender because he gave all he had to win that son and the other son. Fresh off his baptism and public proclamation. I'm going to try to hurry. I want to get out, and I know you do too. Ensuing 40 days of temptation, Jesus comes into the synagogue and reads this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for this reason. Let's just boil it down to this. Let's just say we're not going to be hypocritical church people, but we're going to be those that receive it for us. I've come to give you beauty for ashes. Ashes is the Hebrew word afer. It means to be strew. If you're like me, you probably have maybe an inclination of what be strew means, but let me give you a better example. If I had a, if I had a, 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 a vial of ashes up here, let's just say there's a fireplace up here and I have a vial of ashes, and I took them and did this, that's what I just did with those ashes. I'd be strewed. If I took a puzzle, a box of puzzle pieces, and scattered it across, that's what be strewed means. Here's what Jesus is literally saying. For the scattered pieces of your life, the things that happened that you didn't account for, if you live long enough like myself, I'm, I'm right around 25, 26 or so, I, let's just say it this way. I've been 21 twice. You get in your 40s like I or even older or possibly even younger. You look back and I can promise you there are probably some things that have happened along the course of your life that you did not plan for, that you didn't see coming. And if you got to 42, if you could talk to your 42-year-old self when you were a teenager and say, is that what you would be doing? Your 15 or 16-year-old self would say, ain't no way in the world. If you had asked 15-year-old Josh, are you going to pastor a church? He would have laughed at you, unfriended you, and blocked you on Facebook. And Facebook hadn't even, I would have blocked you on MySpace is what I would have done. I don't even think MySpace was out yet. In fact, in fact, I was still playing Oregon Trail, and I would not have invited you to my house to play Oregon Trail at, not my house because we didn't have it, at my friend's house that were rich enough to have a computer. You would not have been invited with me to my friend's house to play Oregon Trail. If you had said to me, Joshua, when you're 42, you will be the father of six. You will have four teenagers in your house. You will have a little Rachel and Jason. I would have said, the devil is a lie and the truth ain't in him. And don't you let no foul and unclean thing come out of your mouth. And I probably would have given a Pentecostal jig too. 
I'd have slapped your head with oil, and I'd have slapped the other side with something else. I said, don't you let that demon speak to me again. Don't, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. If you had said at 57 your father was going to be dead and for three years you were going to go into one of the darkest places of your life because you were confused and you didn't deal with grief. And have you ever heard the old saying, I sat with grief long enough until she told, I mean, I sat with bitterness long enough until she told me her real name was grief. Because if you don't deal with grief, by and large, you're going to become bitter. And if you become bitter, that the roots of bitterness will take such deep root that it'll come out in everything you're doing. And if you'd have told me that in your late 30s and early 40s, you didn't know, but what you were going to be doing was trying to help people, but a lot of things you were doing were coming from a place of bitterness because you didn't give yourself time. I would have said, you're lying. If you would have said, you're going to go to Nashville, and, but you're going to walk away from the deal that you were offered because you're going to want to live in states, but I said, you're a fool. And yet, all of these things happened in my life. And there are many more I could go into, as all of us could, because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. And by the time you lived enough life, you will look back and say, I didn't account for that. But God did. I didn't see this coming. And a part of me was left laying over there. And a part of me was left laying in that first relationship or that broken marriage. A part of me was left when my husband died early. Before she, and a part of me was left there. And by the time you get 30 or 40 or 50 years old, you look around and say, my God, there's scattered pieces of my life all over the place. i got news for you this morning. The Lord said to tell you, he wants to give you beauty for those bestrewn, scattered pieces of your life. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. I'm going to take that thing that has broken you to pieces and that, where you've been scattered even like to the winds, and I'll give you a crown of glory for it. You mean you're going to take the worst things that I could think about my life that have ever happened to me, mix them in with the best things that have ever happened to me, and at the end of my life I'll say, my God, I'm wearing a crown of glory. I didn't even see the whole time. I thought I was nothing but a scattered mess, and you were giving me beauty in place of these ashes. Don't be offended at me about the MySpace thing. I wouldn't have blocked you. I never thought it, life would be this way. Rarely does life go as planned. Eli, get that keyboard. And many of us look and say, my life is all over the place like dust, like ashes bestrewn. And yet, God factored my ashes and my dust, my scattered life into his plans. Just as he breathed his own breath into Adam when Adam was nothing but a bunch of dust. God made Adam from dust. You ever thought about that? The same word... In the Old Testament, for dust that God breathed into is the exact same word for ashes in Isaiah chapter 61. It's the same word. Which says to me the difference between beauty and death is the breath of God. Which means he can take the broken, scattered pieces of my life Stuff I didn't account for. Excuse me for getting, but I feel this because this is my life. The broken parts of my life. Stuff I've never even talked about. And with one breath. All beauty comes from his breath. All life comes from his breath. Ruach, the spirit of God, 
we talk about the Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Spirit. Did you know the word breath and the word Spirit is also the same exact word? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. Where the breath of the Lord is, there is life. And the Lord is simply looking for someone that will say, I'll give you my ashes. Here's the word. Beauty for. That word for means literally in exchange for. So imagine a king walking up to someone in filthy garments and in ashes. We know that in the Old Testament and in a lot of old cultures, not just, not just uh, Hebraic and biblical culture, in a lot of cultures, people that would mourn would cover themselves in ashes. In fact, when David lost his child, when he got Bathsheba pregnant, he went and covered himself in ashes and fasted for three days. And at the end of three days, he said this, the child will not come back to me, but I can go and be with him. And the Lord told him to get up and wash his face and anoint his face. Imagine someone covered in ashes, ashes of broken uh, relationships, ashes of, of what you name it, ashes of addiction, ashes of just life happening. If you live long enough, life happens, guys. It happens to everybody. Nobody lives, as they say, the, the life with, that, with the Midas touch. At some point, if you're a real human being, you're going to go through some stuff. Young kids, look at me. Your life will probably not go exactly the way that you plan it. But God has already factored in every mistake you're going to make and every broken thing that's going to happen. And he's going to, imagine this king saying, look, I tell you what. I see you've got ashes. I'm full of glory. I'll trade you. you got brokenness, but I'm wholeness. I am wholeness. I'll trade you. You got mistakes. I'm the sinless one. I'll trade you. Beauty for. I'll give you beauty in exchange for your ashes. Simply the Lord asks you, are you going to offer me those ashes? Will you, will you offer them to me in exchange for my glory? The word beauty is the Hebrew word payer. It's you can look it up. It's the Hebrews in your concordance, strong concordance, strong 6286. It's an embellishment. It's a fancy headdress, a beauty, a bonnet, a crown, an ornament. It's the great exchange, the real great exchange. His beauty for your ashes, his glory for your shame, his joy for your sadness, his song of joy in exchange for your song of mourning his glory for your oppression his breath for your dust his crown for your curse his garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness his song for your lament his kiss for your curse my God his touch for your torment his embrace for your embarrassment beauty for ashes What do you have to give? You've seen the meme. The little girl's got the beat up teddy bear and it's real small. And, and the Lord says, I, I want, I've got something better for you. He's got the big, nice, new one behind his back. I kind of like it in, in some ways. I kind of don't. But I feel like God's wanting to trade a whole lot of people here this morning. He wants to trade your true identity for the one that you've mistakenly taken. Because some people in here mistakenly think that you're a failure. 
Did you know one definition of sin is mistaken identity? We think, that, we think that God wanted to punish Adam and Eve and say, in the day that you sin, you will die. This is literally what he said. When you take on a false identity, you receive death. Sin is a mistaken identity. It says, I have to do something to be like God or I've got to do something. No, you just are. He just simply wants to say, will you offer me the ashes, the bestrewn pieces of your life? Because if you offer those to me in exchange for your brokenness, I'll give you wholeness. It's a simple message. It's not a wonderful exegetical message. It's just simply beauty for ashes. And some of you in here this morning have so many broken pieces that it's going to take the breath of God to put it back together. And yet that's what he's here for. I'm going to open the front of the church. You can sit in your chair. It doesn't matter to me whether you come to the front of the lot, but a lot of people like to pray up front. I'm going to open up the front of the, sir, the front of the church for you to pray. Listen to me one more time. This is the great exchange. It's his beauty in exchange for your ashes. It's his glory in exchange for your shame. His joy in exchange for your sadness. It's his song of joy in exchange for your song of mourning. It's his glory in exchange for your oppression. His breath in exchange for your dust. His crown in exchange for your curse. His garment of praise in exchange for your garment of heaviness. His song for your lament. His kiss in exchange for your curse. His touch in exchange for your torment. His embrace in exchange for your embarrassment. His beauty in exchange for your ashes. If you have ashes and you want to offer this bag of dust, I'm not calling you a bag of dust, but you want to offer the scattered, broken, crushed pieces of your life, come on up here. I'm not asking you whether or not you've been saved. I'm trying to save you as I speak. Salvation is not repeating a magic prayer and getting to go to heaven one day. Salvation is being saved from and to something. It's being saved from a mistaken identity to a true identity. When Jesus was in the synagogue that day, he looked at people like you. You know what he said? You're the ones I came for. You and that beanie, I like that thing. I'm going to give it to you. No, no, I don't want your beanie. I appreciate it. You're the one he's here for. You're the ones he's here for. That's really good, Eli. Just stay in that vein. Wholeness in exchange for brokenness. This has been on me so heavy. You? (laughs) 
first part of the service was the proclamation. The middle part of the service was the explanation. Now it's time to receive. A real prophetic voice does two things. A real prophetic voice prophesies because it is prophetic, which means he proclaims. But a real prophetic voice can always teach, which means he explains. I hope that I was able to explain to you what I meant when I told you and you were all jumping up on your feet and screaming that he's going to give you beauty for ashes. This is what he's talking about. Father, we give you the broken. (laughs) To some people, it's waste. People throw ashes away. There's nothing hardly that can be done with ashes except when you breathe your life into them. If we were to take ashes out of a fireplace, we just take them out back and throw them away. We scatter them to the wind. But you said if we would give you the broken, scattered ashes of our lives, that you would give us beauty in exchange. So I speak for Josh Bunton and Elizabeth Bunton and my family that the broken, scattered pieces of our lives we give to you in exchange for your beauty. We give you our song of lament for your song of joy. Lord, not only that, we give you the dreams and the ambitions that we had in exchange for your dreams for us because you dream a lot bigger than we do. I thank you that you chose to erase the circle around the simple special ones and and chose to include us all until we all come to the unity of the faith until we all were none at all I thank you that you knew when I was 10 and before I was born what you would have me doing at 42 you know what I'll be doing at 82 pray a part of that is playing basketball with my boys and still dunking on them. Loving my wife, loving my children and grandchildren, maybe greats. Take the broken things in our lives. Give us an exchange for that beauty. Have you ever... <clears throat> I wish Elizabeth was here. She had a little bit of a headache this morning. She may be here. I haven't seen her. I thought I saw her back over there. Is Abby in here? Abby, come up here real quick. I'll use you. It's my daughter, and there's others I could use, but since she's my daughter, I'll use her. <clears throat> we went to eat yesterday at Katana, Katana Kitchen, and uh, we sat over in the corner near where the drinks are, the very corner booth, and there were some boys about her age that made a point of leaving Katana. They were sitting at the exit door on that side, but they did not exit at those doors because they had to make a trip around the restaurant to get a glimpse at Abby, a hard glimpse, until I gave him a look like, okay, you've seen her go to give her a hard look. What's your point? My point is, when you're, and, and I, I have no pause about saying this, and I can say it about so many of you, and, and in fact, all of you, but when I look at Abigail, I think she's the, the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Why? Because beauty radiates. Why am I telling you this? Because some of you are going to leave here and the glory of God is going to be on you so heavily that it's going to turn other people's heads. They're going to take notice of you. 
People are going to take notice of you, Kelly, that have never taken notice of you before. People are going to take notice of you that have, not because you haven't always been beautiful, but now you've got beauty for ashes. And people are going to begin to say, my God, there's something different about that one. They will absolutely go way out of the way just to get a glimpse of the favor and the beauty and the glory of God that is on your life. My God, teenage boys are dumb. I know I was one, but I'm like, how obvious can you be? <laughs> Remember when you were, we were kids and somebody, somebody looked at you like, take a picture. <laughs> take a picture and get out of here. You know? You know? I'm not trying to embarrass Abby, but Abby knows she's pretty. We tell her all, I'm not embarrassed. That's what my daddy used to say. I'm not embarrassed, church. Beauty for ashes. Real beauty. Real beauty, the beauty of the Father, the beauty of glory, the beauty of, the beauty of knowing who you really are. There's something so comforting when you look in the mirror and know who you are, know whose you are, and you're completely and utterly comfortable being who you are. It takes a lot of us a long time to get there. It took me a long time, but now I just am who I am. And I hope you like me, and if you don't, this is what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm going to sleep like a baby. Why? Because I know my Father sings over me when I sleep. I know when I wake up, I've got the most beautiful woman in the world sleeping right beside me. I know that I've got six kids in that house at least for another year or so until Jake finally moves out and takes about $4 a week worth of grocery bill with him. God, you didn't tell me. Did we eat like that? Jeremy, we did not eat like this. There's no way. There's no way. You got teenage boys? Look, I'm just telling you. One, two. I'm just telling you. If you don't have teenage boys, don't go looking to get some. <laughs> they will eat everything in sight. Just kidding. They're blessing. Beauty for ashes. Joy for sorrow. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I want you to be looking out for it this week. I want you to be looking out for it this week. You'll, you'll start noticing people noticing you. I'm telling you, people are going to go, here, can I, can I give you just a real quick prophetic word and I'll let you go. People are going to go out of their way to bless you this week. Like what happened with you Monday. People are going to go out of their way to bless you this week. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this because a whole lot of people push back. Do you know that, that the, the, there's a scripture that says, all the silver is mine, the Lord says. And all the, did you know that God's gold is attracted to God? Some of you need to hear this because some of you financially need a breakthrough. His gold is attracted to him. And if you carry his spirit, whatever belongs to him that is inside of you is going to find its way to you. Just get out the way. It'll find its way to you. Don't even worry about it. In fact, worrying about it robs you. I, I laid last night. I looked at, my, I looked, <clears throat> looked at my little girl this morning sleeping on the couch. I took a picture of her and put it on Facebook. My little Rachel. Not her. <laughs> no. I, don't, I wouldn't do that. I did with Rachel. And I, and I sit there and thought, God, and I laid in my floor last night after I got home from here. Went to my house. I thought I was going to go to bed. Went and laid in the floor. Prayed in the spirit for a while. And they just laid there. And I started weeping, thinking, man, I've missed a whole lot of time worrying about stuff instead of enjoying my family. That's super spiritual, ain't it? Yeah. I spent the day yesterday with Isaac, Abby, and Jake because my younger three went to the movies with my mom. Elizabeth has been working double duty because I haven't felt well. And it was the best day I've had. And I got home and thought, God, that was fun. We didn't do anything. We went eight and made fun of some morons that were looking at her at the restaurant. 
took him to TJ Maxx and went back to the house and just had the best time ever. And I laid there on the floor last night crying and said, I'm so utterly and completely blessed and I've overlooked it because I've been looking for something else to come and feel something and I've had it this whole time. A lot of us worry about money and we miss life worrying about money. A lot of us worry about relationship and we miss the relationship God's tried to give us and bless us with worrying about the ones we don't have. Indeed, when we begin to look and focus on what he has blessed us with, what he has given us is so much more than what we think we don't have. You're blessed. You're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the field. You are blessed in your coming and you're blessed in your going. You have so much more than you think that you have. And there is something about a spirit of thankfulness that will attract abundance to, into your life. That sounds weird, but honest to God, there's something about thankfulness that will attract abundance into your life. But if you're always worried and you're always stressed, who do you think you're attracting with that? You attract, you attract other stressful spirits, of course. But when you walk around with thankfulness, I thank God that I am the head and not the tail. In other words, I'm able to make decisions. I just don't get carried around and let others make decisions for me. I'm a head and not a tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm the child of the king. In fact, I'm called, a, we're called kings and priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Excuse me. Indeed, a peculiar people. But we are the sons and daughters of the very God that created everything that is. And we're going to worry? Jesus said, look at the grass, the lilies of the field. The lily, by the way, is a type of resurrection, but I'll leave that for another day. Look at the lilies of the field and consider them. They toil not, neither do they spin or sweat. And tomorrow they're going to be thrown into an oven. And look how God, clo how God closed the field with lilies. Consider sparrow. Consider the birds. Not one has ever fallen that the Lord did not take note of, and yet you're worth more than value than men. I mean, Jesus is telling his boy, stop worrying about stuff. Don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat. Just go live life. Stop worrying about what you don't have and thank God for what you do have because grateful, I'm going to say it the last time, gratefulness, a spirit of thankfulness will attract abundance. And I don't just mean money. Beauty for ashes.